0: going to let him finish God will always finish what he started but the the question is whether or not you're going to let him finish so I want you to commit to allowing the work of the Lord to continue in your life Philippians chapter 1 is going to give us the teaching of how to do this and man Oscar I forgot the keyboard too can you go grab it for me I forgot a couple things it's been a summer since I've been here so got to remember how to do all these things We're going to see Paul giving that promise that he believes God is going to finish what he's going to start, and then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3 and see he describes what that process looks like in his life. So it may be a little bit different than what you've been taught, Uh, hopefully not different than what you've been taught here, but maybe uh, you've... You've gotten in the wrong mindset. Thank you from other teachers because the body of Christ doesn't really know how Christian perfection works and how God's completion works. And so we really want to help them understand that. Amen. And the beauty about being a part of this cohort is that we are unashamedly Pentecostal. And we're not only unashamedly Pentecostal in our Pentecostal expression with gifts and all that, but our Pentecostal belief of sanctification. And for some of you guys who are new, you may not understand that the roots of Pentecostalism is the teaching that I teach here. So you guys may think like, man, like Joe's one of the only guys I know who teaches this. Like who else teaches these kind of things? Well, the founders of Pentecostalism did. Like the main ones. Like the ones who brought it out to where we were today. William Seymour taught it just like this. The early Pentecostal movements, the Assemblies of God taught it like this. As a matter of fact, the guy that I follow his teachings the most, uh, uh, Charles Durham. Is his name Charles? Durham. Look up Durham. Charles Durham finished work, came from Chicago. John Wesley and the Holiness Movement, which was the foundation from where all the Pentecostals came from, was what I teach, guys. I'm telling you. So we don't want to lose our the identification with the belief in the spiritual gifts, or the belief in sanctification in God's holiness. Okay, can I get an amen for that? Amen. So you guys carry on that tradition. If anything was to happen to me, you guys carried on. It's not Joe's belief. Where do you think Joe came up with these ideas? You think Joe just invented these? None of these. Let me just say this very clearly, so you guys understand. There may come a day where I'll invent some things. Well, I wouldn't even want to say invent because the Bible's already written. But I may get some fresh revies that literally can copyright, like this is like my unique perspective. I've never heard this but that's not what you've heard preached in this pulpit. I've never preached any of that. I think maybe in some side conversations when I've talked about what we do in the millennial reign, possibly having alien races that we oversee like they do in Avatar. We may have subhuman creations re-rule over creatures. Like That's an idea I came up with, but I can't even take the originality for that because I think I've heard that from others, even that crazy idea as well. It's like, what do you do in in eternity? Because there's animals there. There's angels there. Could there be a third kind of creature there? That's kind of like our virtual world pet to play with. I don't Know maybe it's the Navu, you know. You know, I'm talking about Avatar. Did you watch the movie Avatar? Half of it, how did you only watch half of it? Oh my goodness, one of the best movies! There's like two movies you have to watch to understand most of my theology. If you want Joe's theology and movies, and you got to watch the clean versions, okay? So, I got to clarify with that you got to watch The Matrix, and and you got through VidAngel, and VidAngel, I believe, has The Matrix, and you got to watch Avatar because then you'll understand a lot of my examples, okay. And, of course, a lot of it's foolishness in the movie, but I'm saying just some of the examples. William Durham, thank you. So, guys, I didn't make this up. Like, literally, you can go to Adam Clark's commentary on the Bible, who was a Wesleyan commentary, a commentator, and you can read much of my interpretations of Scripture's. By him, okay? So none of this is my own doing. You can look at Charles Finney and John Wesley on Christian Perfection. You can just put in their name, Finney, Wesley, Christian Perfection, and you can learn from them. Have a little bit different of a view than them, but you'll hear almost identical, the same talk, the same language, the same scriptures. Where we're identifying more with is uh, the guy's name who I couldn't even remember, William Durham. And as you can see, you've never heard that name, so it's not that important to me. You know why? Because I teach the Bible. And what he said was a great way of summarizing the Bible on that point, and it goes back to a lot of other people who said those things. So in short, I want to teach you how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that God may finish what He starts in you. Amen? And He started a perfect work in you. So how do you think He wants to finish it? Perfectly. Amen. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and onward, Paul writing to the people of Philippi. Those of you who were here last year, we went through the series on the book of Acts. You know Philippi was one of the stops. I believe it's actually where he got stoned. Is that correct? He got stoned in Philippi or Derby? Lystra, Derby, Philippi? Philippi, In prison. prison, The Philippian jailer got saved. That's right. Thank you. Isn't it good to have a professor with you? Amen. Let's give it up for our walking, talking Google. (laughs) Amen. It's good to have a man like that. You know, a lot of the times I have to tell people in debates, hey, man, I'm not a walking encyclopedia. Give me a second, you know, if people are going really fast with me. I, I may seem like I'm like that, but I'm really not like that. When you get with real sharp, guys, I'm not like that. Memories doesn't come to me at all. I can call my children by the wrong name for almost half the day not even catching myself, okay? So it's not my gift. My gift is not like recalling Scripture and knowing where it's found. And one of my actual biblical arguments against knowing where something is found in the Bible is I actually say chapters and verses aren't biblical because it was never there in the original. So I don't have to know it. You get what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? See what See, it wasn't there. Now, don't you try to pull that in your classes. Like, you got to learn. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, you know. But the biblical argument. Paul never wrote Romans, the word Romans, a chapter 12 and a verse 3. He just said it. So if you know what's in there, and then as we learned in the book of Acts, that's actually how they preached in the the New Testament. They would say, in the Scriptures. And even there's places where the author of Hebrews says, somewhere in the Scriptures it says this. Remember when we learned about that? He literally just tosses it into the somewhere. Somewhere it's there. Trust me, y'all. You can find it in a scroll. So here he's writing to a place where he's already visited, where he suffered. And he now wants to encourage them. It's also a jailhouse letter. We won't be in it as a series, so just to clear that up. It's a great book. It's great to go through. But let me just kind of summarize what I think he says here in the first part of the chapter and then what he really goes back to in chapter 3. And once again, you guys need to know how to do this with books of the Bible, how to see themes and how ideas run through them. Just like how when we did Ephesians and you saw it ended with grace to all those who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love and then you realize like oh that's brought up in Revelation because that was the very thing they were commanded but then when you reverse it back through Ephesians you realize that was a main part of what he was talking about is knowing the width, the height, the depth, the things of God's love and his grace and all of that. So you're going to see here in the book of Philippians that a theme is what God started, he's going to finish. Okay, So Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. And let me just do this now. You guys are comfortable uh, with the NIV, I know, but let me just switch it up to the King James today because I will be using it for part three, uh, chapter three, because it's going to really bring out the words better. So let me just start it in uh, King James. Paul and Timotheus, you know you're in King James now, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints. See, I love that word because we have this mindset of what a saint is and I love love how when you read it now in this context, it really shows you saints are not people who have just died and are in heaven though of course they're still saints, but we're not supposed to pray to them because they're in some status called a saint, we're saints. We're in the status of a saint. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Now, I like the word bishop, but that's just where I wish it would have had the word um, overseer because we would be a little bit more comfortable with that episkopos as overseer, okay? And the synonymous or a similar term to that is elder, And just switching it back here to the NIV so that you guys can see it, overseers and deacons, that's probably how you're used to reading it in the NIV. But uh, overseer or uh, bishop are the exact same word. And then elder, presbyterios in the Greek, are interchangeable with the word bishop reason why I'm saying all of that, because when he addresses the letter, he's like, I'm addressing this to all the saints, and then those in charge are the overseers and deacons, otherwise the elders and deacons. Does everybody get that? So that's how the leadership of the church should be. So if I'm writing to the church, they're saints, and if I'm writing to the leaders, they're elders and deacons. That's good to see there. And it's plural. You notice it's plural. It's not just one. It's not like one senior pastor. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember, I read out of Ephesians, that's their greeting. I even read out of Peter, and that's the greeting of Peter, isn't it? When I went to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 last week for our sermon. Remember how Peter greets the people? Grace and peace be yours. Do you notice that? I really want to bring this back in fashion. So please, let's try to substitute more uh, grace and peace with God bless you. So let's substitute that, you know, put God bless you to the side for a little bit, and let's start saying grace and peace a little bit more. And let's not be weird about it. Let's just make it natural, okay? Let's make it natural, because I really feel like it expresses the heart of a Christian there. Okay, now going back here to the Uh, The passage, grace be unto you, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, remembering you in my prayers, okay? That's what he's talking about. I thank my God every time I remember you. So he's praying for them and he's thanking God for them. And whenever he thinks about them, he prays and thanks God for them, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So from the day they got saved on his missionary journey till now, he's always been thankful for them and he's always praying for them. Watch this here. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of my confirmation of the gospel, I believe is the word there, the confirmation of something. Where did my mouse just go? Don't you guys just hate them? just another awkward moment. Why? There we go. Confirmation of the gospel. Aren't you glad I knew the the next word there? Confirmation of the gospel. I guessed it right. Ye all are partakers of my grace. Okay? So I don't have time to get into the rest of it. But just notice this passage right here. He said, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That's what he's thankful for. But this is what he's confident of. He's confident that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see here, what is the word perform there? It literally means complete and accomplished. Does everybody get that? Now, as we can see that this word right here comes from the word telos, where we're going to get the conversation going into perfect. So if I go right up here into my Bible software and I hit Bible word study, so I'm doing this for you guys because this is Bible college. I want you guys to learn how to do the tricks of the ministry. We're going to learn here that this word has its root in the word Perfect. Okay. So if you look here, it's going to help me pronounce it, but I wouldn't be able to hear it. It's going to say epitilio. Epitilio. Everybody say epithelio, epithelio. Now, look at what happens when I punch on this word, BDAG, is one of, the wor- uh, one of the dictionaries that we get Greek definitions from. Okay. Now, it's going to give you the, the Greek definition, and this will as well. So I'm just going to show you one of them right here. This one's a little bit harder to pronounce. It's lonida. Lonida, is that how you would say it? Okay, lonida, thank you. And so it says all of the Greek words up there, and as the old saying goes, it's all Greek to me. Have you heard that saying, it's all Greek to me? That just means you don't understand. It looks like scribble scratch. But as you take classes, you'll understand the basics of the alphabet and how to pronounce the words. I pretty much know how to pronounce the words and the basics. I just don't know a lot of the grammar and those different things, okay? So... As you can see, it tells you the definition, to bring an activity to a successful finish, to complete, to finish, to end, to accomplish. Now, if you notice here, it says teleo, which just is a T, which looks like a T. That's an E, which looks like an E. That's an L. That doesn't help you much. But that's an E. And then that's an O. That doesn't help you much. But some of them are similar. So it's teleo, and then it gives you the rest of them here, and then it keeps going. So what it's teaching you is that it comes from that word teleo, and if you actually look up there, at the different Greek markings, you could see teleo in different places in the word. Like you could see it up there at the very top, and then over there to the the top right. As it comes down, you see there's a preface like A, and then there's a P. So A, P, O, then teleo, right? Does everybody get what I'm doing there? You could kind of see teleo is hidden in there, okay? And so what that means is, is it comes from that word, and it will explain it more as you begin to Uh, You'll begin to understand how how to decipher these kinds of words as you study more. But what I do just here is I look at now this graph that shows me the usage of the word. So you just don't get a definition of the word from the Greek and then put it everywhere you see that word in your Bible. That's how you can get into heresy, which what's known as eisegesis, inserting definitions instead of removing definitions, which is called exegesis. The exit needs to come from the Scriptures out, not isis from you into the Scriptures. Everybody get the difference there? So we want to learn how is this word used by the translators. This Greek word, which has its root in teleos, how is it used by the translators? Well, overall, it basically means to complete accomplish. And here's, here are the different ways that it's used. And so I go around this chart. Sometimes it means accomplished. Sometimes it means do. Sometimes it means perfecting, finish, made perfect. And then the little chart's trying to come up every time I do that. Now, if I just hit made perfect, that little chart's going to appear right down here Oh, no, it's supposed to, I guess, appear here, and then I can click on it. It's wanting to appear. Why There it is. Why are you disappearing? You're disappearing because everybody's watching, and it's chapel. And, of course, that's what happens. But when you do that, then it can give you, maybe it's just supposed to be. Okay, I go over the word, and it pops out, and it shows me where perfect is. So here's how this word is used perfect. Are you so foolish? Talking in Galatians. Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? How many are familiar with that? Okay. So that's just showing that it can be made, it can be used to, to do perfect there. Whatever that's doing right there, that glitch, I can't fix it right now. But I can just show you by clicking down here, I can see where the word usage is found. Does everybody get it? Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. Now, going back to the actual passage, let's understand now what he's saying. Let's get the, because that's really the heart of what he's saying here. He's saying that I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's the NIV. The King James is here. What did the King James say? Instead of completion, what was the word that it used? Will perform it. Do you guys get it? Now if I go to the NET, which is a more scholarly modern translation, it says that he will perfect it. Do you get why different translations are saying the word differently? They have the permission to do that because they are scholars, they know the range of the word, and they're putting it there for you to see how they think it fits best. And since we all have different opinions, they're going to come up different. So one says accomplish. Another one says perform. Another one says complete. Another one says perfect. Are any of them contradicting each other? No, our translations are not contradicting each other. They're simply describing the Greek text the best way that they think the context says. Now, who begins the work? God. What kind of work is it? It's a good work. And what does Paul say towards the saints, the holy people in Philippi? He is confident that God will perfect it, that God will complete it, accomplish it, perform it. Everybody with me? Amen. Now, as we study, like we said, the Bible, we read the Bible within context. So let's go to where Paul brings this back up again. And I don't have time to read the whole book today, but look at where he brings it up again when he's talking about the completion, the perfect work in his own life. I don't have time to read the beginning part here, but he's basically now going to defend himself against the Judaizers who are saying that you have to be circumcised to be saved, keep the Jewish dietary laws to be saved. In other words, for the perfect work of God to continue, you've got to keep Old Testament laws. Now, is that what Jesus taught? Is that for the perfect work of God to be in you, you keep Old Testament laws? No. Jesus taught that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, neighbor as self, and that fulfills the law perfectly. And when we go to uh, 1 John chapter 2, we see that John reiterates this kind of thinking. Look at what he says in 1 John chapter 2. It says, but if anyone obeys his word, talking about Jesus' word, love for God is truly made what? Complete in them. And guess what word that is right there? Tell you the root word of the other word that we had that has to do with perfect, complete, etc. Now, what's really neat is that by just showing you the word study that we had up here, by just showing you the word study, remember when I showed you how this word here, meant perfect. Remember when I showed you that? What passage did it actually bring up? This is freestyling right now here in the sermon. Watch this. This is really cool. By the way, I have no notes anyways, but it's even more freestyling is how this comes about. Because notice how it says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? What is that in reference to? The Jewish law. So does the Jewish law perfect you? No, what did did Jesus say perfected us through the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14? What did he say perfected us? What perfected us was the sacrifice of Jesus. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect, tell you, you see it, forever those who are being made holy. Now, why am I saying all that? Because I want you to know what's going on here in Philippians chapter 3, he's saying, I rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you indeed is not grievous, but it's, it's safe for you. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we who are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, I might as well just write it all, have no confidence in the flesh. So the work that's being done in our life is not coming from the Jewish law. It's coming by the Spirit, just like Galatians said when I showed you perfect. Remember? Okay. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath thereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcise the eighth day. Now, this is what he's going to tell you he did for the Jewish law. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, watch what he says here. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Okay? For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. That literally is the word for S-H, you know, t. In the Hebrew and uh, the Greek, he literally just said, "I counted all this." Now we have other words to kind of describe it, but that was as clear of a word for them as it could be. And to some minds, it may be vulgar to say that. I don't say it the S word because, like, in you know, in our culture, we prefer dung and poop and all of those other things. But in his culture, whatever word that was to them, I don't know if they had other words. That word was to them the S word. Okay. Now we're we looking for reasons to cuss. No, so we shouldn't try to violate the the culture of our day just to be cool but that was a very strong word he used he said Everything these Jewish people want to put confidence in, I have more reason to put confidence in because of all of these Jewish accolades that I had, the tribe that I came from, how I was circumcised, how I studied was a Pharisee. He said, but what I do is I take all of those things and put it in the toilet with my kaka and I flush it down the toilet. That's what he says he does. Does everybody get that? Okay, but now watch this. He says, I counted all but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, there it goes, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now here we get to this part about God finishing this work, okay? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So this is in the present. He's saying this is what it's really all about. It's not about the law. The good work of God is not about 613 Jewish commandments, though we know the moral commandments transfer over. It's not like God ever said, I'm cool with lying now. It's not like God ever said, I'm cool with stealing. Sexual ethics, the moral ethics, they come over. But all of these external things about priestly laws, dietary laws, civil laws, those are not the things we have to keep, right? That's what he's saying. But this is what I do do. This is what I do. God has started a work in me. God gave me the faith to believe. We know that faith is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It comes with the, the gospel. When we hear the gospel, faith is coming. Faith cometh by the word, hearing of the word, and, and, and when the word is preached, amen. We believe. that. How many believe faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Y'all believe that. Thank you. He says, but I, well, this is what I am going to do, and this is what I want you guys to do. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. So he wants to know Jesus personally. He's going to spend time praying and studying his word, worshiping him in spirit and truth. He wants to know the power of his resurrection, which I believe the foretaste of that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's the spirit that raised Christ's bodies from the dead. That's the spirit that baptizes us and that's the spirit that's going to initiate the new kingdom coming. And then he says here, and I want to experience the fellowship of his suffering. So he's willing to to suffer for Jesus. You've got to add that into the the gospel pie. You just can't take I want to know him and I want the power, but I don't want to suffer. You've got to take the, the suffering with it all. Like you've got to take your vegetables with the meal with with a good family now watch this being made conformable unto his death notice the context what is he being conformed to unto His death. What does that mean? I believe that relates to the resurrection. And until that day, he's counting his body as a living sacrifice. He's conforming his body, his flesh, to the cross. Has he talked like that before? Of course he has. Where did he talk like that before? Galatians. Those who follow Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Where else does he talk like that? We just heard the passage yesterday. Romans chapter 12, where it says, make your body a living sacrifice. Are you with me? This is what he's doing. Watch if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead. What is he wanting to obtain, Jared? Holiness? Is he wanting to obtain perfection? Is he wanting to obtain sanctification? What is he wanting to obtain? Of the... What does he want to obtain, everybody? Of the dead. That's what he wants to obtain. Now watch, watch. Come on, somebody. Not as though I already gained, attained, either were already perfect. So where do people now want to mess with us? They want to say, see, Paul even said he wasn't even perfect. So the good work of God is not perfected yet in Paul. Paul was saying he, he's believing that God's going to complete it, but yet it's not even completed in him. Because remember, Philippians 1 6 says, I'm confident God's going to complete. God's going to perfect the work. What he began in you, he's going to start in you, right? And so now they say, here, here we go. Paul says, I have not even obtained it. Hold on. Let's do real Exegesis. What do you think Paul is referring to in Philippians 1.6 that is explained here in this passage? What do you think he's saying he has not obtained, that he's already not made perfect in? What do you think it's in relation to? The what? The resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. He understood that he was still in a sinful body. He had to continue to conform his body to the death of Jesus Christ so that he might obtain the resurrection of the dead. Not that he had it already. Either were already perfect. When is he Perfect in the sense he's talking about, not obtaining when he's raised from the dead. Now I'm going to prove it that it has nothing to do with his inner perfection that God already started. I want to prove it. You all ready? Because this is going to encourage you. You're surrounded by perfection, by the way. That's what we're going to go to. It starts in perfection and ends in perfection. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So I'm going after what has gone after me. So Christ came after me, now I'm going after him. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it. So I haven't reached the resurrection yet. That was the hope of all the Jewish people. Right, my brother? That was the hope of what they all wanted. That was the thing, Oscar, that he was confident in and that God was going to complete with these people, that they will be resurrected and in the kingdom of God to come. He already knew they were saved. The work had already begun, and he was confident that was going to end. Let's keep going. This is why I'm reading the King James, because you're going to notice that the King James is consistent with that word teleos. Let's keep going. So what does he do? And this is what we all need to do. In knowing Jesus, the power of his uh, resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, as we are doing those things, conforming our body to his death, we press toward the mark. What is the mark? The mark is finishing the race. The mark is you meeting Jesus face to face and receiving a resurrection. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now watch. Y'all ready for this? I love having to do it like this instead of writing you seven signs about the apocalypse and selling it for $7.99 on TBN and having to make up stuff. You guys get what I'm saying? I love it like that. I just love showing you stuff in the Bible. Isn't it fun just to learn stuff in the Bible? You don't have to manipulate it. It's no private interpretation. How do I know he was never talking about the perfect of the inner quality of a person? Because look at how the King James keeps it consistent. Verse 15, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Well, I thought he wasn't perfect. No, he is perfect. Perfect. But I thought he's reaching after perfection. He is. But the resurrection, he's looking towards the completion. He's looking towards the end. But it was started in perfection. We were started at the finish line with Christ being our Savior. We start salvation being made saints. We're not waiting to die to become saints, Another way to see it like this is how much authority does Jesus have according to the scriptures? All authority. How many kingdoms is he over right now? Okay. Well, prove it because somebody else looks like they're in charge of America right now. Somebody else looks like they're in charge of China right now. What does the Bible say in regards to that? He's waiting patiently for the gospel to be preached and then he will put all the enemies under his feet, the last one being death. Isn't that what it says? Isn't that what it says, Jared? He's waiting in heaven until the appointed time, but hasn't all the authority been given? Okay, so when do you go to heavenly places? The first time you die or the moment you're born again? I mean, the first time you die. It's not like you're dying a bunch of times, but you know what I mean. When do you go to heavenly places? The first time, when you die or when you're born again? When you're born again. So when you lose your body and you're there face to face with God in those heavenly places, it should feel familiar. It should feel familiar. Think about that. You should be like, I've been here before. Your, your taste and see of the presence of the Lord should be the same. Being in the presence of God should be like being with your friend. Some people are acting like they're going to get up there and meet somebody they've never talked to before. I guarantee you when you're up there, it is going to be like when you were right up here and you felt his presence. It's just going to be unhindered because you're spirit to spirit. Your body and sinfulness and its death is not affecting you. You guys get that? Isn't that powerful? So he's already completed that work. I've already been brought to heavenly places, but one day I'll be there permanently until I come to rule and reign, right? I've already been saved perfectly, but I'm striving after the perfection of the resurrection. I want to make it to the end. And guess what Paul says? He's confident that I will. Now you may say, Joe, you you weren't alive at that time, but you know what? I know that I have the same faith that the Philippian people had. And isn't that the very thing he was confident in? He wasn't confident in their works and their abilities and how smart they were. He was confident that the same faith that they had is what he had, and that's the same faith that the ancients had had, those who had come before him, remember? That's what he said right up here in this passage. He says, be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So if he could be confident of the Philippian people, I know he would be confident of me and I know I can be confident of you. Amen? And so that's the deep theology of it. You know, that's where we take a journey into the dictionaries and we get to understand it. But to put it in kind of a way that I think you guys can relate to it, let's just look to the message and see if you can kind of get this understanding here as I read it and then we'll just talk about making it applicable to your life. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus of my, as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules which I could get the uh, when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I can know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. Amen. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I would wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have it made, but I am well now on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I have got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us towards, towards Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something else than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on the right track. Amen. So he who started a perfect work in you will perfectly complete it. Will you be confident of that as well today? Will you trust the Lord in all of your studies to do your part in this? God gave you the free will so you could dance with the divine. He didn't make you his Pinocchio. You're not his puppet today. You know, you are today a free will agent made in the image of God that can choose freely to go to hell or to be in an intimate relationship with God. I ask that you do that this year, that you choose knowing God first and foremost as your motivation to do all of your studies, to do all of your practicums, through all the sleepless nights, the hard work that you will put in to see God as your goal, to see Him as the one going through it with you actually as well. So it's not just you're going to try to reach Him, you're reaching the goal of the resurrection with Him because He's even with you now, amen, and, and that you'll see your character You'll see it as a reflection of Jesus. You won't try to be something that you're not. You will be who you are. Literally, since you've been born again, living in sin is being somebody you're not. Isn't that something? All the world is trying to be like us, and we are already made righteous. So let's show the world what it's like to be righteous. That's who we are. And when we sin, we repent, we confess our our sins to the Lord, but he's faithful then to what cleanses us of all that unrighteousness. I love the way Paul looked at life. That's the way we have to look at it. It's not that we won't have troubles in the journey, but when you do, you count yourself crucified with Christ. You don't think it's strange, in other words. So if you get to a place where it's like, I have to work, and then there's an assignment due, and a child is sick, or something's going on in my life, you won't see that suffering in that moment as something strange. You'll say, I've actually chosen the path of suffering with Christ because there's a purpose in the pain of suffering with Christ, and it gets redeemed for his glory, and then he makes a way out of that. Amen? He gives us his presence and then we build up our faith. Isn't that what Peter said? We build up our faith. Is it Peter or James that says we build up our faith and and, and through perseverance we build our faith? Um, Trials produce this. I think it's James, isn't it? Paul and Romans, that's right. Find that passage for me. We'll end with that. Oh, you know it off top. Let's give it for the man of, give it up for the man of God as he comes. As he comes. As, uh, I had two things in my mind. Vinny, would you come? Turn on some sound, please. I probably should leave it on now that you'll be coming up because I'm not used to having it so good. Yeah, do it, man. However you got to do it, turn on some sound for us, please. And and we gave it up for both Vinny and Jared at that point. Okay. Where is it at there, my brother? Romans chapter 5, verse what? There we go. Thank you. Verse 3. Not only so, but we are also but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and we know that hope does not put us to shame. Amen. So when you're going through these trials, this this increases your faith. You know what I was doing? I was confusing the two passages because there's also one in James. Exactly. Thank you. Oh, I'm not. Thank you. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is actually the one I was thinking of. Uh, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. And guess what word that is? Teleos, so you can be perfect and complete. That's a different word, but it means similar. Just like how we have perfect and complete. They actually had two words for that too, but oftentimes this word can be translated complete too, right? But perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Oh man, I just want all of us this year to dance with the divine, to believe that what he started had an end goal and it's going to be completed. Would you just close your eyes with me right now? And ask the Lord to show you what does it look like at the end of a school year from now? One school year from now. Imagine today is the last chapel. What do you look like? What have you gained? What have you matured in? What is new in your life? What spiritual gifts are active? What disciplines have you developed? What's unique about this year is that at this point, the starting point, literally none of you in this room are deacons. But all of you have been in 201 for quite some time, and some are about ready to graduate, but all of you should look to that as your goal. This is my year to graduate, become a deacon in the church. What are some of the other goals you have? I don't know. Pray them through right now, whatever they may be. Your family, your ministries. Where do you see yourself a year from now? Guess what? God can do more than you can ever ask or imagine according to his power that's working within you. There is nothing that can stop God from completing his work in you. God has a plan and he's going to accomplish it. You know what I think about oftentimes is what it would be like to be in heaven and God to say to me, Joe, because you quit this, you never got to see this. Some of you know that story from the 201 book when I quit Bible college in the first quarter. Man, I know I wouldn't be seeing any of this today if I would have quit. I look at some of my friends from my hometown and how they quit on the ministry, man. Some of them are bagging groceries, selling used cars. Even the ones that have a decent life, man, still like they've impacted really nobody's life. Whose life are you going to impact this year? How many more young adults are going to be in the church? Moms, co-workers, neighbors, family members, because of what you learned and put into practice this year. You know, we have a back-to-school bash going on this Wednesday. Probably close to 200 people will be there. There's not a lack of harvest problem, is there? It's really a lack of labor's problem, isn't it? Jesus' words are so true. You're an answer to that prayer. So what do you want to harvest this year? What seeds are you going to sow so that you can reap? Sow seeds to your to your school and discipline, you'll reap good papers by the end of the year. I promise you, you will. I started off my first year of Bible college as a high school graduate. I don't think I wrote more than a paper, like a page, in any of my schooling, took me about a quarter or two, but from that point on, started getting straight A's. What's it going to take for some of you this year to sow into your character self-discipline and self-control? You know, I I meet sometimes uh, people who know about the ministry. They're either pastors or friends of the ministry. And I have to be honest with you, sometimes it's hard for them to understand. I don't hold it against them because it's a fair question, but it's hard for them to understand. Joe, you've had a Bible college all of these years. You're faithful, your church is radical. Why don't you have more church plants now? Why aren't there more? Like I I literally thought you would have like 5 by now. What is going on? And I tell them, I say we still use lose youth pastors to sin. We still have to have people step down. We still have worship leaders deciding on whether or not they're going to be saved or even believe in God. It takes time. I can't force them. And I always tell them, if I would have started by recruiting from other Bible colleges and things, the cream of the crop, like a lot of my friends did, see, people who can preach like me before they start their churches go around to big churches preaching and recruiting and then they hand select their team. So they use their preaching gift to get notoriety and then they hand select a team and launch in a city. That's not what I did. God called me to a corner, Belmont and Clark. God called me to a street, diversity. I stood out in front of this street witnessing. Most of you here are here as a result of that or somebody invited you who was reached by that. Like you're all here because of that in one way or another, in other words. So I tell them it takes time. It takes time. I'm only doing what they will allow to have God do in their life. And so like I said last year, I was so excited about this year because I believe some of you are about ready to start reaping. And, and it has to get out of the language of promise into the language of receive. I know some of you are tired of just hearing it, you know. One day, you're going to do it. This is coming. It's coming. It's coming. I'm ready to get some things received, aren't you? Come on, a few more moments in prayer. Are you ready to receive it this year? Are you ready to be it this year? We're going to stop the recording right now. Go ahead, uh, Oscar, stop the recording, because I just want to pray for each one of you individually as you guys come to the front, please. I want to name your names in the next few moments that we have. And I just want to get real personal with you. So if anybody shares personal information that I share here, then you guys are going to get in trouble. So don't do that. Okay.